Let's look in chapter two in the book of Ruth. I'll just read one verse to bring you back up to where we were on Sunday and Ruth chapter two and verse six. I dealt some on Sunday with how I study uh, the books that I study in the Bible, uh, how I break them down and left you with the fact that uh, on verse 16 and let fall, this is Boaz, the redeemer speaking to the reapers, the workers, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, referring to Ruth, and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. And of course, she gleaned in the fields of Boaz. This led to a great relationship that occurs and it's all a picture of the lineage of Christ because this is the beginning of the generations that eventually lead to King David. And from King David's lineage comes the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I left you, if you remember, with that phrase, handfuls of purpose, not handfuls on purpose. Now, both phraseologies are correct and terminologies are correct, but it changes the meaning. Uh, if it said handfuls on purpose, then that tells us that it is intentional. In other words, the handfuls are left there with an intention of accomplishing something else to bring them to that purpose. But it's handfuls of purpose. The purpose has already been fulfilled. It's an explanation. The purpose is completed with the gleaning process. With the other, the gleaning process would complete the purpose. So it's just reversed of what we think in our mind. And I wanted to deal with the explanation. Why did he tell them as the redeemer, kinsman redeemer, to leave handfuls of purpose? And I think that it's easy to answer that if you'll go back into chapter two and verse two, the Bible says, and Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, that's her mother-in-law, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. What was the purpose of it? She got what she asked for. She didn't ask for grain. She asked for grace. If there was no grace, there would have been no grain. The grain was there, the corn was there because she said, if I find his grace, he'll provide for me. And really this is all a picture of God's grace. Here she is from a different country a country that, uh, that was not accepted by the Jewish people. She was a Moabite. I dealt with that on Sunday morning, how that, that group of people came into existence and how God referred to the people of Moab as the washpot in Psalm chapter six or Psalm 60 and verse eight. And now here she is becoming part of the family being provided for as though she's already in the family because of the love that was there. The grace was extended to her. Well, what is grace? If I ask you tonight to define grace, I think most of you would probably very quickly come up with this definition because we've heard it so much. It's the unmerited favor of God, and that's true. I also know a lot of people use the acronym for grace, the spelling of grace, breaking down each letter, G-R-A-C-E, which simply means God's riches at Christ's expense. 
In other words, without Christ and what Christ did and the price he paid, we couldn't enjoy the riches of grace. But because Jesus paid the price, we get it all. But I think grace goes a little further than that. To me, I think the best definition for grace when it comes to the grace of God, the best definition I could give you is to say grace is any time that God pays attention to us. Any time that God gives special favor to us. I think that's what grace really is. Aren't you glad that God, with all the things he could do, all the things that he's willing to do, all the things that, that draws his attention and his power in all directions, isn't it wonderful that he takes time to pay attention to each one of us and our need is just as important as anybody else's need. He doesn't look at us and say, your need is not as important as that person's need. You might be calling out to God and say, Lord, I'm sick, I have the flu, I need healing. And somebody else may say, you don't need to tell him that. There's others that have cancer. Well, the truth of the matter is, he can heal of cancer and he can heal of the flu. It's all grace when he pays special attention to us. So what is this grace? How do we obtain this grace? I love that second chapter and the second verse because it really breaks down how we can experience the grace of God. Now, if you have any need in your life, any need, whether you're away from God or you're a believer and you're facing a great need, whatever your need is, I hope that you'll listen to this tonight because here is the basic outline from God's word teaching us how we can obtain grace. First of all, grace is positional. I think we look at it as to say, oh, grace is conditional. No, it's positional. Well, where do you get that? She said, let me now go to the field. Grace has a place. If you're in the wrong place, you won't experience the grace. The kinsman redeemer didn't go to Moab. She had to come to the kinsman redeemer's field. Now he could have went to Moab, but he said, no, you've got a place that you need to be. And grace says you've got to get at the right place. I think it is destroying people's Christian witness because they can't find a place to become planted like a tree by the waters of life and they suddenly just roam here and there and they can't find where they're supposed to be. Isn't it wonderful to know? I know tonight I'm supposed to be at Rubyville Community Church preaching this message. No sweeter place to be than where God wants you to be. God has a place. And when you get to that place, he doesn't bless you because of the conditions that you've met. She could have met all of these conditions in the far country. But God said that's the wrong place. God's not going to go to sin and become like sin to get you out of sin. He said get to the right place. So grace is positional. She had to get in the right position, the right place. Any other field would not have met her need. Grace is not only positional, but it's also provisional. That I can go to the field and glean ears of corn. Well, what's ears of corn? That kept her from starving to death. 
She had to get something to eat. Had to. And by the way, spiritually, when you have a need in your life, the first thing that the devil will do is take your appetite. I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about spiritually. He'll get you to a place where you no longer want to feed because that's the very thing you ought to do is feed on God's word and, and listen to what God has to say because he's trying to provide for you. She said, I'm going to starve to death and I need corn provided for me. And the place provided the corn because grace is not only positional and grace is not only provisional, grace is providential. She wanted corn. How many, how many in here raise a garden? Get your hands up. Some of you may be the garden you raise, you're ashamed to raise your hand, but some of you I know, you raise gardens. We used to raise gardens a lot, but then I came to Rubyville, don't have to raise a garden, everybody raises and gives me theirs. But, if you know anything about a garden, you don't plant the seed today and harvest the corn tomorrow. You have to cultivate the land, you have to plow the land, you have to plant the seed, it has to get water, it has to be taken care of, then eventually it comes to full harvest and gleaning takes place after the harvesters go through, it's what's left. That's what she was getting. This corn didn't come up overnight. This corn took time. I don't think you hear what I'm saying. He went before and took care of everything before so that when she got to that place, it was already taken care of. Isn't it wonderful to know we serve a God that is not only behind us taking care of our past, he's gone before us to take care of our future. And when we get to those places in life where we wonder how can I get through it, how can I make it, God has already been there and said, don't worry about a child, I've got everything you need. I've planted the corn weeks ago. I've taken care of all of it. It's right there. I'm going before you. It is positional. It is provisional. It is providential. It is personal. Look at the verse. Go to the field. That's the right position. Glean ears of corn. That's the right provision. And the next phrase, after him. Grace is personal. And by that I mean this, grace is in a person. She wanted to glean after him. Who's him? The owner of the field. Who's the owner of the field? Boaz. Who's Boaz? The kinsman redeemer. It was the redeemer that had the grace. Her mother-in-law loved her, but she didn't have what was needed. Those around her, they might have cared for her, but they didn't have what she needed. If she was gonna get it, she had to get it from him or she couldn't get it. It was his field. He made the deciding answer. I, I'm telling you what, maybe I'm old fashioned on this, but I'm sick to death of people worshiping people. There's some people, they don't grunt, they don't say anything unless their family or they're doing something. Then you can hear him shout and carry on. I'm glad that I can shout when other people are singing and other people are preaching and I can say amen. amen. 
I don't have to just have a few that I like. If they're in the book and they're telling the truth, I can say glory to God, I believe it, amen. That's the truth. I don't just get excited when I see certain people do certain things. There's some people, they're not coming to church if their favorite group's not singing. That's why y'all love live stream instead of coming back to church. You can change channels. Years ago, there was a fellow wrote me a letter and he said, I don't like what you preached on television Sunday. I'm moving my membership over to channel eight. Well, I tell you, it's wrong to follow people. It's wrong to follow me, it's wrong to follow other individuals, but it's always right to follow Jesus. As long as we follow Christ, we'll be all right. After him, it's his field, it's his grace, it's his salvation, it's his spirit, it's his word, it's his power. If we're after him, it'll be all right. It's personal. That's why you need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Someone told me last week, I'm not coming back to church. Somebody didn't treat me right. And I'm glad I don't care how you treat me. My relationship doesn't hinge on whether you shake my hand or whether you tell me how good a job I do. I'm glad at the close of the service, if I can look up to Jesus and say, Lord, I did the best I could. And he reaches down and says, you did good, son. Hallelujah. That's all that matters is pleasing him. Personal. Grace is personal. Grace is powerful. A little bit of corn changed her life. That little bit of corn made the difference between life and death. We can't grasp this because We talk about hunger in America and hunger exists. I've spent my life feeding hungry people. I'm not embarrassed about that. I do everything I can to provide for hungry people. But don't come and tell me you're hungry when you weigh 400 pounds. I mean, we all need food. That that didn't go over good. I better move on. Do you understand what I'm saying? We talk about hunger, but we don't know what hunger is. I've never experienced hunger in my life. I'm not talking about it's midnight and I I want a snack at midnight. I'm not talking about that kind of hungry. I'm talking about hungry where that you feel like you're going to start. Now, I have dealt with a lot of hungry people. I've dealt in countries and preached in countries, gone to countries, Haiti and City Soleil. For many years, it was considered the, the poorest area in the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. I've seen little kids, five, six years old, that their legs look like broomsticks and their stomachs swollen from parasites where they try to pick things out of the dirt and eat it get parasites. Seeing where two or three dollars worth of medicine could change their life. Hunger's a terrible thing. Terrible thing. And you go and you try to feed them and you try to take care of them. And I know what it's like to go into a place like that 
and give them just a little bit of food because I have had them tell me time and time again, preacher, this changed my life. Is there anybody that can understand there was a time in your life when you were starving to death spiritually and you were hungry and you couldn't find anything to satisfy and you tried everything in the world and it just left you hungering for more and more and the more you tried, the worse off you got and you tried some of this and you tried some of that. You did this and you did that but you were just worse off constantly over and over and over but then just one touch of grace, just a moment of grace in your life and everything changed. Thank God for the power of grace to make the difference, to go from death to life, to go from poverty to riches in grace. Thank God for the change that grace makes. I got a call Monday from an individual and they said, I've got a family member that's dying. They're unsaved and they would like for you to come and pray for them. I went, they were at first in severe pain. First I had prayer to ask them not to be saved but for God to relieve their pain long enough for me to talk to them. Finally they started talking back. You know it's hard to win someone to the Lord if you can't communicate, if they're not able to communicate. And I knew the devil would keep their mind on that pain so much that they wouldn't hear what I was trying to tell them. And I explained to them who sent me I explained to them why I was there. And I said, I don't know if they have told you, but somebody needs to tell you, you're very close to leaving this world. And I said, you need Christ. And I would do you an injustice if I didn't offer you the opportunity to repent of your sins and tell the Lord that you're sorry and ask him to save you. The individual, she looked at me, she said, she said, well, I I, I don't want to be saved now. I'm waiting. I said, what are you waiting for? She never gave me an answer. She said, you can have prayer for me, but if you would, just pray that God heals my body. I said, well, I will, but I hope you know, if he heals your body, you're gonna get sick again and die. You're not getting out of this world without dying. And she said, I know that, but if you just pray for him to heal my body. So I bowed my head and I said, Lord, She wants her body healed, but you know the intention and you know the motive. If she's this close to eternity and she doesn't want you, Lord, I don't know what it's going to take. So I just surrender into your hands. Open her heart to understanding. Open her mind to the fact that death is knocking at her door. Lord, help her to see that she needs salvation. When I finished praying, I said, Would you like to ask him into your heart? She said, no. She said, if you would, leave now. I started out of the room and the devil said, see, you've offended her. I don't know why I feel that way. He'll tell you, you're scaring people. Where are you scaring them to? Hell number two? They're already lost and they're on their way to hell. 
You're not trying to scare them into salvation, but you've got to face reality sooner or later. You're not going to live forever. I'm not going to live forever. And the only thing that changes us is the grace of God. For we're saved by grace through faith that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So I'm headed to the door, half defeated, get my hand on the door, start in the doorway, and she said, wait! And I turned around, I said, do you need something? She said, I changed my mind. I said, what do you mean you changed your mind? She said, I changed my mind. Now I want my life changed. And I said, well, if the Lord saves you and you live, are you just going to say this is a passing emotional moment? No, whether he heals me or not, I won't saved. And in a little while while I was praying with her, I heard her start to say, glory to God, glory to God. And in a little while she started shouting and she said, can you get a hold of my family member? Tell them to get down here. I've got to tell them there's been a change thank God for the power of grace that changes us grace makes the difference so that's the explanation for all of your needs every need I have every need you have every need is a sinner every need is a saint it's only met by grace after him The reapers went first. What's those reapers a picture of? The Holy Spirit using the workers of the Lord to bring the harvest to the Lord. Because the harvest is the Lord's. The field is the Lord's. The harvest is the Lord's. But God said, all the way back in the Old Testament, when you're blessed with a crop, and you're blessed with a field. The Lord said, remember, this is my law. Never harvest the corners. What falls down to the ground, leave the corners and leave the excess. For who? He said, for the poor. So the poor will have a place to find grace. Some of you came into this place with a terrible burden on you tonight. Terrible burden. Well, how do you know that? When you preach to people for years and years and years, you can look in their eyes and tell they've got a load. Some of you have come with a heavy burden tonight. But what you need to do is you need to get in the right position. You need to get up here on your knees in prayer. And you don't need to tell me your burden or anybody else your burden. Feel free to if you want to. But you better come to the person, the Lord, the one that can help you with your need. 